Good morning. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the, the, the patience with me. Uh, Pastor Jim is back, and he's recovering from knee surgery. So uh, he just in time to uh, get ready for the Olympics in 2024. He's going to be in the gymnastics section on the beam. Um, you know, one thing I, I, I mentioned last time I was here in September, that uh, before COVID, there was a group of men that I was a part of, and, and I'm still in love with, with Bob. We met in a booth at Norm's on Tuesday, and across the aisle were the other guys from Ken, Ken, Ken Garland's group, you know, the, uh, the, the other men. And, uh, and, and so I was thinking about, you know, when, when you're younger and you see these men gathering at breakfast and coffee, you wonder what they're talking about. And then you get older, and then you know what they're talking about. They're talking about surgery. Oh, yeah, I had that knee surgery, too. Well, let me show you my chest. You know, I had, a, I had a quintuple bypass. Let me show you that surgery. Like, that's, what we, that's what we talk about. We talk about surgery and medication pretty much most of the time. Um, hey, let me first say what a great time of worship we've had this morning. And what a great, you know, I've been in church for most of my adult life. We don't usually make as much room for communion as we did this morning. I really appreciate the pause and the time to dedicate to the elements and the remembrance of the Lord's Supper. So I'm grateful to be back at PCC. And uh, I remember as a kid, up on top of the hill, now where I think the Belmont is, or the Canterbury, one of the two, it, there was a trail that went up there, and there was what we called the rock quarry. It was a broken down building. And we would climb up that trail and uh, hang out and make forts up there. And now it's gone, and now it's all part of the progress around the South, around Palisbury. So call it progress. It's, there it is. My memories have been, have been built upon where I'll probably be living one of these days. So uh, let's open our Bibles to John 21. And um, what I want to do is what I did last time, which is we're going to read the passage. And, and thank you, Bruce, for referencing the first great catch of fish, which is found in Luke chapter 5. We're going to be looking at the second great catch in John chapter 21. And what we're going to do is I'm going to read John 21, 1 through 19, and then we're going to talk about it. What I mean, we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it, so we're going to interact, and you're going to raise your hand, and you're going to share some thoughts and comments, and, uh, and I won't call on you unless you raise your hand, probably. There may be a few of you who know by name I may call just to get us warmed up here. Um, and then, secondly, as we interact around this passage, I'm, I'm, I'm calling the, the message this morning, Unfinished Business. And Okay, we'll try that again. All right. Good morning, everyone. This is uh, welcome to <laughs> Groundhog's Day at uh, PCC today. All right. Uh, okay, where do I leave off? John 21, we're going to talk about the passage, and I'm calling this message Unfinished Business. And that comes, that, that is something, when I, and Pastor Jim has done this a lot, as, I'm sure as much as I have, if not more, when I officiate a, a memorial service, I ask, at the end of that service, I ask four questions. 
And one of the four questions is, re is relevant to our study this morning. So the first thing I ask at, at the end of a memorial service is this. If today was your memorial service, how would you be remembered? Okay. Question two, if today was your memorial service, how would, what would your legacy be? And legacy is more memorial, memories are pictures and stories, which are fun and meaningful, and we see slideshows usually at a memorial service. But the second question has more about our lives, which is, what's the net impact of your life? What, what, what's your legacy? Did your life matter? And usually right around that question, people get a little bit more, hmm, it's getting a little deeper. Third question is, do you have any unfinished business? Because you're here, and you have time to affect those answers, don't you? And the last question I ask before we close the time in prayer is, do you know where you'll take your last breath? Or your first breath in eternity, I should say. And I, and I end with this. The good news is, if you don't like any of those answers, you still have time to change them. If you don't like the memories you're making, you still can make new ones. If you don't like the fact that your life hasn't left the mark you wanted to make, you still have time to leave a different legacy. If you haven't had a chance to finish up anything that's unfinished with people, relationships, and closure, you still have time. And if you don't know where you're going to, you're going to take your first breath in eternity, you still have time. Is that, is that fair to say? Are you with me so far? Yeah. So there's good news, isn't there? And so what we're going to be talking about this morning is the story of Peter's restoration. And, and Jesus doesn't have to necessarily make this happen because Peter is forgiven. Jesus has already appeared to Peter probably once or twice before. But there's something that isn't quite done yet for Peter's sake. And we're going to call this time this morning unfinished business. So John 21, verses 1 through 19, and then uh, and what I want you to pay attention to is, is one is, what is Peter going through? What do, you, what do you imagine Peter's going through? That's the first thing. And then secondly, what stands out to you? Maybe you've read the story many, many times, but for some reason, this particular verse or word or phrase stood out to you this morning. We're going to interact around those two questions and other, other things you want to talk about. Okay, here we go. John 21, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals and there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Some of Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 
153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples, and after he was raised, after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went out where you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. All right. Isn't that amazing? I mean, don't, don't, you, don't you imagine this deja vu moment? They're thinking, they've they got to be thinking at some point, didn't this just happen to us a couple of years ago? The same thing kind of happened as Bruce was sharing this morning and reading from Luke 5, like, you would have thought, right? But then, I, I wonder if John had better vision than Peter. He's like, that's the Lord. You know, I think that's the Lord. It's, it's 100 yards away. That's pretty good vision, isn't it? Okay, so let's talk about it. What stood out to you? What, what verse, what word, what impression, anything stand out to you that you thought, ah, that, I caught that for the first time today? If you look down, I'm going to call on you. Yes, sir. You know, it's a, it's a reminder, isn't it, that when we do things his way, <laughs> they, there's a different result, isn't there? I mean, you know, I, I, I might have been, if Peter, if, I might have been thinking, if I'm Peter, I'm thinking, what does this guy know? What is, we're, we're, this is what we've been doing most of our lives, right? And we've been here all night, we, and we're kind of dressed in our bathing suits, basically, right? We're, we're ready for fishing, and this guy says, what does he know? But then when we do things his way, as, as, as this story tells, is in life, things usually go better, don't they? Yeah, what else stands out to you? Anybody? Yeah. They didn't, yeah, they didn't recognize him. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and isn't that true for a lot of us at some point in our lives? Maybe, maybe when we were not yet Christians, we did not know who Jesus was. We didn't recognize him until he showed us who he was, who he is. The, the revelation of Jesus takes a combination of the word of God and the spirit of God to bring about things that might seem plain. You ever read Isaiah 53 to a friend of yours or maybe a Jewish friend and you're thinking, come on now, it's right there, it's right there, can't you see it, can't you see it? And they're like, see what? Like, that's Jesus in Isaiah 53. And they're like, I don't see him. Right? But all of us, it's not just something we can deduce in our own logic, right? Yeah, 
What else do you catch in the story? Yeah, that stung, didn't it? It's, it's, it stings Jesus, oh, it, Peter, doesn't it? And, and why, why, three, why three questions? Because it denied him three times. Peter emphatically denies Jesus three times. And Jesus is going to come back, not for, not for Jesus' sake, for Peter's sake. This is unfinished business. This is for Peter. This isn't for Jesus. Jesus. Jesus does know all things. He knows Peter loves him. Now look, if you read the, the end of John 20, you'll see that, that, that Jesus could have gone right to heaven and, and end of story. It says in verse 31 of John 20, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may, have him, you may have life in his name. It could have been end of John's gospel, right? But it's almost like Jesus says, hey, wait, 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 wait. Remember Columbo? Anybody remember Columbo? Oh, and, oh, and one more thing, right? Oh, and one more thing. <laughs> he comes back with his, you know, trench coat and his cigar, cigarette in his mouth. Oh, one more thing, right? And he says, well, you know, I, hey, Father, I got to talk to Peter. This is my, this is my imagination. Hey, I got to talk to Peter. He's going to go fishing. I better go talk to him. I better make sure he knows that he's good. I mean, Peter's like, oh, God, Jesus, really? You have to ask me three times? Yeah, for your sake, Peter. Not for mine, but for your sake. This is for you, Peter. You need to hear yourself saying to me that you love me more than you love the, the praise of people and you're going to take care of my people. I, you need to hear yourself affirm, even after you've denied knowing me. You need to hear yourself say it. Yeah, it hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And he needed to hear there was still work for him. Yeah. And, and I love that the book of Acts is right next to John 21 because the, the work, you just turn the page, and Peter's life begins anew, doesn't it? Peter's life begins all brand. It's like Peter part two. It's, it's, it's kind of like the story ends in the Gospels, but then we turn to the book of Acts in Acts 1 and 2, and, and Peter is a whole new man, isn't he? Yeah. Anything else? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Listen, this, this restoration involves Peter. It involves the, 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 those in the boat. It's called a tiny boat in the New King James. <laughs> in this little boat, right? And it's called the boat as if to say that was the boat that Peter ditched three years earlier when, he's, when he threw his nuts away. And he's going to go back to that thing again. But it's also for us. It's also for us. You know, you know what your church is known for? You know what PCC is known for? A gracious pastor, warmth and hospitality that you all have, in discipleship. You are known in the South Bay as a disciple-making church. People tell me, I go there because I'm being discipled. So this is, and the best way to lead people is to feed them and to feed them what? The Word of God. The best way to lead and feed and to take care of sheep and lambs and care for them is what? 
This is how we do it. Amen? Yeah, so this is a word for all of us. What else? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, when, Paul, when Paul's in, in the book of Acts, the, uh, there's a prophecy about the guy that wears his belt, and they're gonna, the man who wears his belt's going to go to Jerusalem and suffer, and Paul says, okay, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Jerusalem and suffer. Yeah, when we're led by the Spirit, there's this paradoxical, we'll make decisions we would not normally make, but we'll make them in accordance with the will of God. Yeah. Anybody else? One more comment before we get into to my, my thoughts here? Yeah. I reflect that uh, after the resurrection and the appearances to the disciples, their response is to go fishing. <laughs> I think that is a great point. Let's talk about that for a second. Their response is to go fishing. Let's start with, let's go back to verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, right? And this is who was there. Notice that these are some, uh, these are some fishermen among them, right? It's Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, who's from Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. These guys are profit. These guys are bass. They have a bass boat someplace in Alabama, probably. I'm kidding. But these guys are pros, right? And so they're going back. And so Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now, some commentators think, well, it's no big deal that he's going fishing. People go fishing. I disagree. I, I'm agreeing with my brother. He's basically saying in my mind, hey, this whole thing with Jesus didn't work out. And, and no, listen, listen, no doubt he's done with me. No doubt he's done with me. I'm disqualified. I might be forgiven, but I, I think I might have lost my job as his number one choice to build the church with. With me so far? So he says, I'm going fishing, and the other guys are like, yeah, we'll go with you. <laughs> and Jesus has already, he's already appeared to them. This isn't like he's never, never no, he's already appeared to them, and, and they're discouraged. And like, you know, and especially Peter, and Peter's the leader of their gang, and they go, we'll go with you. I'm going I'm to get ahead of myself here in the notes. But let me say this. Forgiveness and restoration aren't the same thing, are they? You can be forgiven but not restored. You can't be restored but not forgiven. Forgiveness is the gateway to, to relationships being restored, aren't they? Sin separates. And what, what heals this, the consequences of sin is forgiveness. God remembers our sins no more, but there's still consequences for our sins. And they may, you may forgive someone in, in, in your family and say, oh, I forgive you, but I don't trust you. Or you've lost something, and the, the sin has led to a loss. And, and for Peter, there's got to be a question mark. I know I'm forgiven, he might be thinking, but I don't think I'm restored. And I imagine Jesus saying to the Father, I got one more thing to do before I ascend to heaven. I got one more unfinished conversation to have with Peter before I go. Because, yeah, he's about ready to go back to what he used to do. 
his old job and essentially throw in the towel on believing that God has plans for him. Let's divide this section into three parts. Let's, call, let's divide it into three miracles. Three miracles. The first miracle is the miracle of the great catch. The great catch. I'm going fishing. And I love that Bruce pointed out that in Luke chapter 5, in the first great catch, the response of Peter to the great catch is what? Get away from me. And, wh and why, does, why does he tell him to get away? I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. We, you're, I, if, I, if I touch you, you, I might make you sinful. I mean, we can't, we can't share the same boat. Yeah. We must social distance ourselves right now, right? Uh, I, get away from me. Now, three years later, how different is his response to the similar size catch? Rather than going, see, I'd be thinking if the old Peter would be like, hey, guys, if that's the Lord. He's so mad at me. We got to get out of here. Row the other way, away from Jesus. Where is he? Get away from Jesus. But what does Peter do? He wraps his outer cloak, which is basically he's going to dress himself appropriately. He's probably wearing essentially a bathing suit, you know, not dressed to see Jesus. Wraps his garment around him, swims 100 shore, uh, yards to shore, which is no easy task, if any of you know that, right? But rather than running away from him, he knows there's something he's learned in three years. It's this. Jesus is good, and he's forgiven. And I love him. And even though I, I denied him, I still love him. And he swims to shore, right? Yeah, so we see this, and then we have... We have this interesting uh, interaction. Let's point out, I want to point out this one verse here. Verse 5. Friends, he called out, Jesus calls out, friends, haven't you any fish? Now, some translations, like the New King James and NASB, translated like this. Friends, you haven't caught anything, have you? <laughs> you, <laughs> you hear the difference? One's like, almost like, we read it like it's kind of like a curiosity. Hey, have you guys got anything? How's it going over there today? Versus, haven't caught anything, have you? Or it might be better said in today's vernacular, how's that working out for you, that spot? Why does Jesus put it to him like that? What do you, th I mean, it's kind of like, a, who's this guy? He's, I, think, I think he's a carpenter. What's he know about fishing? Because what did Peter, what did Jesus tell Peter three years earlier? I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So you're, listen, Peter, you're never going to make it in fishing ever again. And Peter leaves his nets behind, right? It's like, I'm done. Me and James and John and all these other guys, we're, we're done with fishing. We're going to fish for men. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, it's never going to work that way for you again, Peter. I already told you who you'd be fishing for. And it's not fish. Don't give up, Peter. Nothing's changed. And Peter's probably thinking, yeah, Lord, don't you know what I said? I don't know you, I told people. I, I told a servant girl who has no status in society. I told her, I don't even know Jesus. How can you possibly use me? 
You haven't caught anything out there, have you guys? Nope. Can you imagine that? that <laughs> I wonder who responded, right? Who said no? Like, yeah, here's Jesus calling from the shore. How's it going out there? Catch anything? I don't think so. No. <laughs> I have, probably Peter probably answered right, but I imagine Peter's like, oh, he's picking on us for. It's like, hey, geez, this is, we had a rough night, and this guy's over there making fun of us. And they, the, the, res, the response comes back, one word, no. And then comes this voice, hey, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. Now listen, in, in Luke's gospel, it says that Peter says to Jesus, because you say so. We don't know what they're thinking, but we just know that they do it again, don't they? And this is like like Yogi Berra, deja vu all over again, right? So they do what he says, and they throw the net, and they have this massive haul of fish. You'll find some. And then John has this epiphany or clarity of vision and says to, to, to Peter, it's the Lord, and he begins to swim in. You know, when Jesus has that moment with Peter, Peter, remember Peter and Jesus have some big moments to, together, don't they? One is, one is you're going to follow me, right? That's how it all begins, John chapter 1, follow me. How does, how does, how does the book end? end in John? How does it end? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And, and then Jesus says to Peter, you know what, Peter? I'm going to change your name. I'm going to call you Cephas. But notice in the text, how does, how does Jesus address Peter? Simon, son of John. He gives him his old name, which probably hurt as much as the questions hurt. Oh, man, do you call me, do you, why don't you call me Cephas anymore? He's making a point. You're not a fisher of fish, Peter. I made you a fisher of men. I changed your name. You know, and, and maybe that some of us in this room have sensed the pleasure of God in our lives. We've, we've, we've sensed that God has used us. We've been a part of different, different events and trips and programs and outreaches and, and discipleship plans and small groups and, and, and whatever it may have been. And then maybe you feel like, oh, well, oh, well the 90s were good. Uh, remember, I remember when the Lord used to use me. Well, I remember when, when we had our, our great small group that we used to have at our house. I remember when we used to go evangelizing on the pier and we used to do certain things and, oh yeah, but that was, you know, you know what Romans says? That God's call and gifts are irrevocable. As we sang today so wonderfully, you can't out-sin God's grace. But Peter's going to find that out, isn't he? Peter's going to find out that, that God's grace is sufficient for even a man who's a simple fisherman. Because in the book of Acts, when Peter begins to testify about Jesus, they're going to say, wow, we can't deny the miracles. We also can't deny that he's an ordinary, unschooled man and that he's been what? With Jesus. They can't deny that. They can't, they can't separate the fact that this miracle's happened and that these guys did it. The same guy that denied knowing Jesus. He's going to become a fisher of men. And, and in the first sermon he preaches, 3,000 fish are going to come into the boat, aren't they? 
3,000 souls are going to be saved at his first preaching. The second miracle is the great breakfast. The great, it, it, I, I think I've only found this word once in the Bible I, when I've looked in different concordances, and breakfast is only used once. Right here. Wait, is anybody curious what Jesus puts in breakfast? Are they hash browns? Are they country potatoes? I mean, does he have ketchup or Tabasco? No, she's shaking her head no. I, I, I don't know. I, all I know is that Jesus makes breakfast. Is that a, and that itself is a miracle. Where does his fish come from? Where did Jesus get his fish from? Well, I think Jesus makes breakfast like this. Breakfast. <laughs> Before there was Elon Musk, there was Jesus, right? He th- thinks breakfast and breakfast appears. But notice this. He says to the apostles and disciples, hey, add some of your fish to mine. Now, now look, the story could have ended in a number of ways, couldn't it? Hey, you guys got any fish? Nope. Peace out. See you later. Good luck with that. Shouldn't have denied me. No. There's a great catch of fish. And Jesus could have said, hey, leave those fish, let them go, catch and release. He's already got fish on the fire, and what's the fire made out of? Charcoal. When's the last time that Peter saw charcoal? About two months earlier, around a fire pit, keeping himself warm, denying Jesus. What's Peter thinking? This is awfully familiar. Fish, big catch. Guy on the shore, carpenter, looks like Jesus. Making breakfast. Breakfast is already ready. Hey, bring some of your catch and add it to what I got. Isn't it great that Jesus includes us in his work? It wasn't like Jesus said, oh, I didn't know you guys had two more people on the boat. I'm sorry, can you guys bring some of your own fish with you? No, it was, you're participating in this work. Genesis 1 says that we participate in this work. God has made us participants. The Great Commission is about us participating in the work of God, isn't it? We are included in the work of the kingdom of heaven. We learned that the net didn't break. The net didn't break. Is that significant? It wasn't like, oh, a couple got away. The net didn't break. What does this say about Jesus? What does this say about our security? What does it say about Peter's security? The net didn't break. What did Jesus say about the apostles? I didn't lose any except the son of perdition. Right? I, I know who are mine. Is the grace of God a miracle? Yeah. Has anybody ever, has, listen, has anybody ever thought you committed the unpardonable sin? Raise your hand, be honest. Just a few of us. The rest of you have apparently committed it. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I mean, the, what many of us, I have, thought, oh my gosh, I think I'm, I'm need, I need to come to the altar again. I need to come to the altar again. I need to come to the altar again. Because why? We just can't imagine that the net doesn't break. You follow me? That, that the fish can't get out of the net. No. 
Jesus is able to save what is his. It's a, it's a, it's a visual reminder. Jesus is making breakfast. He's, he's inviting them. He's calling them in. And he doesn't need their help, but he allows. I've got grandkids now that live with us, which is another story. They were in the Christmas play here. They're in Awanas. And um, Sullivan, my middle one, who's six, likes to help me. It takes twice as long when he helps me. <laughs> Papa, can I help you do any? Oh, sh- do I have another half an hour? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So when, when <laughs> if, listen, if God wanted to be efficient, he would not include us in his work. But God includes us because it brings him great joy when we participate. If God wanted to just simply catch the fish himself and bring them in, he would have just brought them in. Hey, guys, guess what? I got 153 here on the shore. Nah, 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 nah. No. He just say, hey, you guys, you guys, you're going to participate with this. We're going to come in. We're going to, God delights in our participation with him. You know, I, you know, here's what I want to say this morning. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I want for all of us to have that life. All of us. And I'm afraid that some of us think, I had it, but I don't have it anymore, and, and I'm too, it's too late for me to have it. My best days were, are behind me. I, I had some great times, and did some great things and enjoyed the, the presence of God and enjoyed him using me and using my gifts. But you know what, I, that, was, that was long ago and I'm just kind of biding my time until. You know, Paul said something about that. Paul said, if, if, it's, if I have the choice of going to heaven or doing, staying here, I choose heaven. Remember that, Philippians 1? But if, if, if staying here means fruitfulness, then I stay. I'll choose to stay. And when we're not useful to God, he'll take us. If I'm not dead, God's not done. If you're not dead, since you're not dead and I'm not dead, then God's not done. Amen? When I had my quintuple bypass surgery almost two years ago, you know, you're like, they come in for the anesthesia, I went to high school with the anesthesiologist. I said, do, do we get along in high school? Are we good? <laughs> Remember me? We, I think we were friends. If we're not, can we be friends now? You know? And then you like, you pray, and they tell you they, they, you're going to feel very sleepy, and I'm thinking, I'm going to share the gospel before I go on. Ah! And then you're like, do you, am I going to wake up, right? And I remember, you know, being rolled into recovery, and, and then, you know, 11 hours of surgery, and I don't know, I have no idea, right? And Mr. Cannon, Mr. Cannon, I'm looking for angels <laughs> or, or, or flames, right? I mean, I'm just like, well, you, it went well. I'm like, okay. My first thought was, I'm not dead. God's not done. So why am I, this is why I'm trying to make this point today, this morning. I'm trying to, what I want to bring out to all of us is if anybody understood a sense of like, I'm beyond the power of God and the grace of God, it was Peter. 
who said, I will never fall asleep during your prayer time, Jesus. Those guys will deny you, but not me. I'll never deny you. And then there he is warming his hands, and someone says, don't you know him? And he's like, no, not me. And then Jesus looks at him from like where Bruce is, and he goes, and Peter's like, uh-oh. And then he went out and wept bitterly. And maybe he knew, I'm forgiven, but I'm not restored. I'm just going to be glad to have a garden shed in heaven. My mansion's gone, but I'm forgiven. The third miracle is the miracle of restoration. Verses uh, 15, 14 to the end of the, of the section here. And again, to double down on this idea that forgiveness and restoration aren't always the same. We do need to be forgiven to be restored, but forgiveness doesn't always automatically right away lead to restoration. That may take some time. It may take some time to restore and repair, but unless you're forgiven, you can't do any of that. And Peter has lived with some shame, hasn't he? I'm going fishing, to our comment earlier. But I believe that Peter, Jesus wants him to know you know, there's an interesting story in uh, the Gospels, I think it's Mark 2, uh, the paralyzed man. Remember the paralyzed man? The guy gets, that gets lowered through the roof? I always feel bad for the guy that owned the house. Of that, of that. <laughs> it's like, who's going to fix this roof? I had it repaired last year for El Nino. Um, you know, and, and so then there's, <laughs> and then there's this moment, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And he's probably thinking, that's not what I came here for. That's nice, but I really need to be healed. And then Jesus says, so that, this, so that you know that I have authority to forgive sins, rise and walk. Well, then what happens? There had to have been a moment like, well, well, is he going to? Because if he gets off that mat, we got something to talk about here, don't we? If he lays in that mat, then we're like, dude, you can't forgive sins. There had to have been a, a very pregnant pause. Are you with me so far? So that you know I can forgive sins, I tell this man, get up off that mat and walk. Okay, all eyes go right to that man. Okay, sir. And he gets up and walks. I wonder if Peter had the same kind of story, this kind of moment with Jesus. Hey, Peter, just so you know that you're restored and forgiven, throw your net over there. Wow. And the net didn't break. As if to say, you're still my guy, Peter. You're still my guy. I still want to use you. Nothing's changed. You know, it's interesting that to me, the, the, one of the most tender stories of restoration is saved for one of the most notorious failures in the Bible. We tend to associate Peter as a failure, don't we? We, we, can, we kind of relate to Peter because he's so much like us. He's, he's bragging and wanting to be, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm, he walks on water. He does all these things that we would say that's his human strength and zeal coming out, but then, but then he fails just like we fail. These three questions, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me, take care of my lambs, feed my, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And Peter's right. 
Peter says to Jesus, Lord, you, you know all things. You know, you know I love you. It, it did, it did, it, it did hurt him. But it was meant to hurt him because it was meant to reveal the grace of God. Yeah, I know you love me, Peter. And I want you to know that nothing has changed. Take care of my people. And then he adds one more thing. Look at verse, um, look at verse 18. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Then he says this, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. What does that mean? He's gonna, he's gonna be crucified. He's going to have his arms stretched out like this, upside down. And follow me. It's like Jesus is saying, Peter, I've seen how you're going to die. I've seen how you're going to die. And you're going to die a death that brings glory to God. I'll wait, I'll wait till I understand okay let's do this again he said these things to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God I mean read this again listen to me Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. How many of us would like to know that in our dying, we would what? Glorify God. It might have been that Peter's thinking, I'm going to do the same thing I did last time. It got bad. But I think it's the ultimate and final act of grace because right after this is going to happen, Jesus is going to say, I'm out. But before he leaves Peter, he asks him and tells him some things but it ends with this, Peter, I've seen how you're going to die and your death will glorify God. And then he ends it with what? Two words, follow me. And that's how it begins. And that's how it ends. And that's how it begins again. Nothing's changed. It may be, to me, one of the most tender moments in Scripture and I wonder if, you know, I, I, I think that when it, it, later on it says that, that Peter sees John behind them, which probably means that the two of them are off to the side alone. And then Peter says, well, what about that guy? <laughs> Jesus is like, don't worry about him. Don't worry about, don't worry about John. I'm talking, I can imagine him putting his hands on Peter's shoulders and say, look at me, Peter. You follow me. You follow me. Don't worry about who else is with me or not with me or with you or not with you. And I, I again, I'll say this at the, the, the close here. 
I'm sure Pastor Jim and Pastor Bruce and the, the pastoral team and deacons and elders here, as they pray for you and pray for us, have a desire that every one of us lives life to the fullest. And what can keep us back from a life that is truly life is what's between our ears. It's the sense that, well, I'm, you, we rule ourselves out. And Peter was going fishing. Peter was going fishing. He was saying it. I'm done. I can't be used. It's over for me. I'm forgiven, but I'm not restored. I can't be Cephas anymore. And then Jesus says, no, I, I still want you to do what you were going to do before. Nothing's changed. Sin, I, lo I love this, the song we sang this morning. Sin cannot take that away from you. And it may be that only you know what it is in your own life, what it is that's holding you back. And when Pastor Jim asks for certain involvement and service, and you're like, nah, not me. Or when there's a need, you say, no, nah, not me. It may just be because you're, you're limiting yourself. You might need to hear Jesus have a little conversation with you. And he might ask you and I the same question, do you love me? Then, then, then lead and feed, then lead and feed. Make sense? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this leadership. Thank you, Father, for the community called Peninsula Community Church that is so wonderfully esteemed in this community for emulating these things. And Father, I pray that for any of us, for all of us that struggle with accepting our call from you, whether that be Moses or Peter or, or Paul and David and, and Isaiah, as we read this morning, and when he said, I how can I go? I'm, 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 I'm an unclean man. But as we celebrated today, the Lord's Supper, your supper, we remember, we remember that you've taken that away from us. And you keep reminding us, follow me, follow me. How wonderful it is to follow you. How wonderful it is to be forgiven by you. How wonderful it is to be, to be the, the recipients of your grace. And Father, I pray that for anyone here this morning who's being held back by their own, by their own decisions, their own thoughts, their own past, that you, Father, are big enough to show us how much greater is your grace than our sin. And Lord, I pray that we would collectively live the life that is truly life, the life that is abundant that you came to give to all of us who have trusted your son for salvation. We thank you for Peter's example. We thank you for the life he lived in the book of Acts and the epistles that he wrote, that we can see tangibly how different his life became because of your grace and your power through the, through the filling of your spirit. Fill us, renew us, restore us, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.